Anderson is our guest speaker. <laughs> this is my, uh, my kid brother, and he's more than that. He's my best friend. I love that we're doing life together. I hope that we get to do life together forever and, and do ministry and all that kind of stuff. And Tyler, I just want you to know that I'm proud of who you are as a man. If you want to know that, that guy that's got the shiny, clean, good testimony, that's Kyle. God's kept him clean, pure his whole life. So you say, oh, that's not a testimony. Oh, really? I think that's the greatest testimony there is. <laughs> Anyone can do the other stuff because we've all done it, right? Anyone can do that. Right? It takes something really unique and special, and, and he learned from all his brother's mistakes, I think. He did. Uh, <laughs> Ten years older than him, so it was, uh, it was fun growing up. A lot of brothers that are that far apart or siblings, they're not very close. I mean, you're, you're out of the house, and they're still young. It's just, but God put a bond between us, and, and then we wanted to serve in ministry together. We have since he was a teenager, and so I just want you to know I love you. I respect who you are, and you make me want to be a better man. I mean that. So, Kyle. all right, thank you. Yeah, I'm good. Hello. I need people like this with me all the time. That's what I make Sarah do. I make her carry everything for me. <laughs> I'm just playing. Was that a bad way to start? <laughs> yeah, that's... Wow. You got off to a bad start very fast. <clears throat> Sarah, will you throw that slide up there? Uh, <laughs> we had a staff meeting uh, a few weeks ago, and we talked about what strongholds the enemy has over the region. And uh, there were, I think there were four that came up. Um, there was lust, which in all its forms. There was the religious, uh, political spirit, poverty, and what was the other one? Witchcraft, which is, that's got all kinds of forms too. So today, I want to address one of those because I think God gave me a solution. And um, I'm going to address poverty today. A few years back, <laughs> this is big for me. This is something that uh, I think God's given me victory in. Uh, I'm going to read this prayer. This prayer came to me years ago, and I didn't know what it me meant entirely until now. The prayer is, let not my riches be measured in monetary things, but let my riches be measured in the fullness of my time spent on you. And um, God gave that to me. I think I was sitting at my desk at work. And uh, I was praying, and that popped into my head. <clears throat> or that prayer came out of me, and I didn't know what it meant. I think this, you ever pray, and something comes out of you, and you're like, where'd that come from? And um, that's Holy Spirit, by the way. You don't know, you know, it's not your words or it's something that you couldn't think of. That's Holy Spirit. Um, so, yeah, yeah, this came to me and I wrote it down in my wallet. I wrote it everywhere, but it didn't mean a whole lot to me. I mean, just reading it, you can make some sense of it, but I didn't know it in its entirety. So I want to talk to that, talk to you about that today. <clears throat> and I want to tell you why that's a prayer that we all have to write on our heart. So first, I'm going to address the poverty spirit. What is the poverty spirit? 
Poverty means this, this has nothing to do with finances. It can go to finances, but that's not what I'm talking about. That's just a reflection of our mindset, generally. Um, poverty is the idea that you never have enough, that you are in lack. Now, poverty in natural, in finances, you know, you don't have enough. You, you're lacking resources. That same thing bleeds into our mindset, and it causes us to see our entire world through that lens, that lens of poverty, um, where everything, in every aspect of life, we don't have enough, or we're lacking. <clears throat> and that, like I said, that's a stronghold in this region in particular. Um, you can go outside and look and see it's, it's a stronghold. Just walk down division. Um, this was also huge in Irving, where my dad's church used to be. Just that poverty mindset. Yeah, people didn't have a lot of money, but there's ways to live fruitfully without a lot of money. <coughs> so that's what I want to address. Um, I want to give some qualities of a poverty mindset. First, a quality of poverty is a lack of generosity. Poverty makes you think you never have enough to give away. So how can you be generous if you feel as though you don't have anything to give away? Right? So that, that's a quality of poverty. Poverty makes you selfish. Withholding anything you receive, believing that nothing else will come take its place once you give it away. So... You get something, you finally have enough where you can give away, but you keep it because, hey, this may be the only time this ever comes around. This may be the only time I get this. So how, how smart would it be for me to give away something that will never come back to me? So it, it makes you, you get a lack of generosity, and it makes you selfish. The biggest one, the poverty mindset, makes you believe that the Father's resources are limited you believe he has limitations. The, <clears throat> think about this, the, that whole lack of generosity and selfishness bleeds into that, where you believe the Father's resources are limited. We all have to come to the understanding that what we receive is from the Father. It's from his grace, from his generosity. He is generous. He's not selfish. He's amazing. So if we, with this poverty mindset, we believe that God can't do what he says he's going to do. God is a God of the abundance, right? He, I mean, it's, it's all over the Bible. He's a God that is just extravagant. He's wild. He's, he's generous. He has all these resources. How can we, as people that are filled with God, believe that his resources are lacking when he's inside of us. Something doesn't connect there, right? So at some point, there's a disconnect inside of us where we believe, yeah, God can save me, but the rest of that, he's not going to give me. Does that make sense? Where It says in the Bible, um, man, I can't remember exactly where it was, but basically, you believe I can save you, why don't you believe that I can heal you. It's the same thing. It takes the same amount of faith to believe that he can do one thing. What's that? 
Yeah, which is easier to say? Yeah. So <coughs> I want to sit on that for a little bit. God, when you invite God into your life, he comes inside of you. You take on his qualities. You take on his gifts. Basically, we become the king's children, correct? What do king's children get from the king? They get inheritance. They get the rewards of the victories that the king won. King's children are not poor. King's children don't have to walk up to the table of the king and beg for scraps. That's the poverty mindset. When God, I know you can do these things, or you, know, you say he can do these things, but when it push comes to shove, you're asking him for little fragments of him. You're asking for the crumbs off his table. And that's not good enough. You are a king's child. You're not an orphan. You're not a servant. You are a son and you are a daughter. And you are entitled, through Jesus, the king's reward. And what, what is the king's reward? It's everything that God has to offer. Finances come along with that? Sure. Um, healing comes along with that. <clears throat> what else? What else comes with that? Peace, joy, happiness. There's no limit. Like we, I think we could talk all day and not name everything, right? That's how extravagant God is. So why do we think, why, how, how can we possibly believe that God is inside of us, yet not believe that he gives us everything else? That's the poverty mindset right there. <clears throat> I love the, the thought that we get the rewards of the battles that he won. And that's, that's that whole fathering thing where there are battles that I'm going to win that my son Judah is just going to have that he won't even have to fight. He, won't, he may not even know that I fought that battle. But, <clears throat> yeah. Win your battles and it creates future generations don't have to fight that same fight. Just think about that, man. Like, I love my kids so much, and I would give them anything. I'd buy them anything I could buy them with money, but how much more valuable is it to give them the things of the kingdom, give them the victories that I want in the kingdom? <clears throat> so that's, that's what God does. God's the best of fathers. I mean, what, who compares to him? I've seen some good fathers, like the guy on uh, Seventh Heaven. See a good. <laughs> Growing up, I was like, man, that guy is awesome. <laughs> like that is like the perfect family. And then like later on in the show, the kids all got crazy, and I was like, <laughs> something's not right. My idea of fathership was very wrong. <laughs> Whatever. Am I the only one that every time Jared talks about the second heaven, the song Seventh Heaven pops into your head? <laughs> every time, every time, I'm like, Seventh Heaven. <laughs> Apparently, I'm the only one, right? <laughs> All right. Where was I? <laughs> so. Stupid stuff going through my head right now. 
pray for me now. <laughs> uh, so we talked about the qualities of poverty. <clears throat> and uh, what I want to do is go ahead and turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. I'm reading out of the message. It's like an incredible translation for this verse in particular. <clears throat> in general, it's awesome, but this one in particular is great. 2 Corinthians 8. So basically, I've talked about killing the poverty mindset, where, you know, you got the qualities of poverty, lack of generosity, uh, selfishness, and you believe the Father's resources are limited. And I'm going to read to you a passage of scripture that shows what a wealthy mindset is. And then I'm going to talk about what being rich really means. <clears throat> this is entitled The Offering. Now, friends, I want to report on the surprising and generous ways in which God is working in the churches of Macedonia in the Macedonia province. Fierce troubles came down on the people of those churches, pushing them to the very limit. The trial exposed their true colors. Here's where it gets good. They were incredibly happy, though desperately poor. <clears throat> the pressure triggered something totally unexpected an outpouring of pure and generous gifts. I was there and saw it for myself. They gave offerings of whatever they could, far more than they could afford, pleading, and I like this, pleading for the privilege of helping out in the relief of poor Christians. This was totally spontaneous, entirely their own idea, and caught us completely off guard. What explains it was that they had first given themselves unreservedly to God. And to us. I'll read that line again. What explains it was that they had first given themselves unreservedly to God and to us. The other giving simply flowed out of the purposes of God working in their lives. That's what prompted us to ask Titus to bring the relief offering to your attention. <clears throat> so that what, what was so well begun could be finished up. You do so well in so many things. You trust God. You're articulate. You're insightful. You're passionate. You love us. Now, do your best in this, too. I'm not trying to order you, order you around against your will, but by bringing in the Macedonians' enthusiasm as a stimulus to your love, I am hoping to bring the best out of you. You are familiar with the generosity of our Master, Jesus Christ. Rich as he was, he gave it all away for us. In one stroke, he be became poor, and we became rich. So here's what I think. The best thing you can do right now is to finish what you started last year and to not let those good intentions grow stale. Your heart's been in the right place all along. <clears throat> You've got what it takes to finish it up, so go to it. I think I'm going to stop there. Oh, no, this one's good. Once the commitment is clear, you do what you can do, not what you can't. The heart regulates the hands. <laughs> this isn't so others can take it easy while you sweat it out. No, you're shoulder to shoulder with them all the way. Your surplus matching their deficit. Their surplus matching your deficit. In the end, you come out even. 
As it is written, nothing left over to the one with the most, nothing lacking to the one with the least. I'm going to stop there. I could keep reading. This is an incredible chapter. So, what was the quality of that church? Generosity. Do you get what was happening there? Basically, they had these terrible things that happened to this church. And uh, all the people came together with whatever they had and gave towards the cause. They were generous. Now, would a poverty mindset be able to pull that off? No, because you lack something. You don't have anything to give. Okay? That right there. Go home and study that chapter, 2 Corinthians 8. Study that chapter because that's the wealth mindset right there. It's what I have is uh, up to give. And now I want to get to the part that is most important. What are true riches? I was, um, again, I was at work at my desk, and uh, something came out of me. This is funny. Like, it seems like I don't work, I know, but <laughs> I work very hard. So. <laughs> I sit there, and it's funny. Like, I'm doing my work, and God just throws stuff in my head all the time. And you want to know why that is? Because when I'm working, that's worship to God. So whenever I'm doing my work, whatever I'm doing, I'm doing it as unto God. So even while I'm working, we have this cool connection where, you know, I go into the day thinking, God, I'm going to work hard because this is an offering from me to you, like my work. It's an offering to my family, of course, but it's to you. And I don't even necessarily have to have my mind on them all the time, but because that connection is there when the day starts with work, He's partnering with me. So that's why I have all these, this happens so much, man. I'm just sitting there and just throw stuff. Like songs will pop into my head and I'll just type it in an email and send it to myself and then go back to work. It's awesome. But that's because I have a connection with God through my, through my worship. Um, but he told me this and it finally made that make sense to me. He says, wealth is determined by how much you have of what you most value. Wealth is determined by how much you have of what you most value. I'll let that sink in for a second. Wealth is determined by how much you have of what you most value. So if you value money, you're going to determine your wealth by how much money you have, correct? If you value family time, you're going to measure your riches by how much family time you have. I'm going to stay quiet for a second. I want us to think about what defines riches to us. Let's take a minute. What do you most value, and is that being reflected in how you view riches? Is riches to you only money, only things? So, needless to say, God telling me that rocked my world. Like, I never, you read all through the Bible about riches and 
God's going to pour riches upon you and all this. But what, I mean, what does it mean? Like we live in this world where riches are defined by one thing only. It's by money. And it's really hard to shake that. Because money, it's how we live, really. You have to have money to live. You have to buy food. You have to have all these things. But is that what really determines how wealthy you are? And uh, so I really, I've really been talking to God about this for weeks. What is my definition of riches? What do I value? And uh, he told me what I should value. Here's a. When you, when your main focus is God, when your main focus is having time with him, spending time with him, just being with him, that's your number one value, then the thing that means most to you, the thing that makes you rich, is when you have those moments with God, when you have that time with him, that, that <coughs> loving relationship with him. So what God wants to do what he's wanted to do with me for a long time, but I didn't recognize it, is realign what my thought of what makes me rich is. I, the older I get, the more I value my family. Like the, the most fun thing to me is just being with family. And maybe it took having a kid for me to realize that. But the thing that I most want to do right now is just spend time with my family. Like, I'm going to get to spend time with them today, and I can't wait. Like, I feel like I am rich because I get time with my family. Something I really value is my family, and I feel so rich in that. Matt feels the same way, man. You t- there's nothing about, there's nothing better to me than just being with family. And... That's the realigning of what, of my thinking of what riches are. And that's how we eliminate that poverty mindset where we never have enough. What is important to you? That's how you take away that poverty mindset. I'm tired of, of the church in particular, not this church, but the church as a whole, settling for less than what God really has. The, the church being orphans and not king's children. Because the orphans, man, they, they, there's that orphan spirit that comes in the church where you, you hoard what's yours because you're afraid of losing it. But you hear stories of people that bring in children to their home that were orphans. And this is natural. This is how everyone would act. When they give you something, you, you cling to it. Like, uh, what's that show, Hoarders? That's that, that orphan mindset where you, you can't get rid of things because you feel like it's not going to come back. So I'm tired of the church being like that, where we've gotten one word from God, and we hoard that one word, and we don't ask for more because we don't think there's more. Like how, how sad is that, that we have a father with, unlimited resources, who has everything, yet we settle for one thing from him. 
Now, don't get me wrong. One thing from God is better than one thing from anywhere else. But it's not enough. And uh, if you're, I'm going to steal from Jared. He stole from me a couple weeks ago. I'm going to steal something from him. <laughs> I won't word it as well if you can, obviously. But, but basically, if you only settle for part of God, or how to say it again. Dang it. He told me on the golf course yesterday. Now I'm running. I'm choking. Okay, that's okay. But basically this is if, and this is something I, I spoke about a few weeks ago, actually, on a Wednesday night, I think. But if you're only accepting part of God, you're rejecting all of God. Okay. This is his sermon next week. I'm just going to take it and do it. I'm just playing. <laughs> you don't get to pick and choose which part of you the kingdom touches and transforms. It trans transforms all of you or ultimately none of you. That's it. I like that. <laughs> transforms all of you or ultimately none of you. That's good. I should be in on that, right? <laughs> but yeah, I like that thought. You reject some of God, you're rejecting all of God. And that's, that's what God, I don't know if some of you were in here on Wednesday. This was actually a few months ago when I said this. But I was talking about Holy Spirit and the value. And how Holy Spirit's kind of scary. Growing up, it was always really scary to me. God told me something that was a reality. God slaps me in the face a lot with stuff, like proverbially, <laughs> like just, whoo, God, <laughs> he, uh, that's his discipline to me, he's like, listen, you're thinking here, it's very flawed, let me, let me straighten it out for you, and I appreciate that, because that's the way, that's the way my dad kind of was to me, so like, here's, here's the deal, okay, homie, um, <laughs> he said, if you're, I am three parts, I am the Father, I am the Son, I am the Holy Spirit, if you reject one part of me, you're rejecting all of me. I don't know why I got into this now that I think about it, but that's good. So accept all of him. Good night. Let's, let's realign how we think about things. And let's let that prayer be written on our hearts. Let not my riches be measured in monetary things, but let my riches be measured in the fullness of my time spent on you. That means so much to me now, and it didn't for a long time. And I'm happy. <laughs> so what are true riches? Having a lot of what you truly value. Now it's time to realign our value system. What do we most value? What do you most value? We want to value him the most, right? But do we right now? Do we currently it. And I'm talking to me. How do you currently value him most? <clears throat> I'm rich in other things, like I'm rich in family time and stuff like that, other things I value. But am I rich in him? I think we can't truly kill the poverty mindset without him being our number one value. Because, I don't know, we can't accept just part of him. Like we got to have them all. That's something I've, I've been praying. Like, God, what, what is holding you back from actually wanting everything 
you have. What is it? And what it is is that poverty mindset where I'm content with just having a little bit. I'm content with just knowing part of you, knowing you to this level. But there's so much more. Let's be happy with what we have from God, but don't be satisfied. I am so happy that I know God the way I do right now. Like that I know as much about him as I do right now. I feel, I feel blessed to know that much. But there's so much more. And I see that from fruit. We can see how much of God, that's another thing. You can see how much you really value God by what fruit you're producing. So let's, um, that was short, wasn't it? I like that. Let's stand up. I want to. God is the ultimate goal. Be rich in him and everything else takes care of itself. He's the prize. I want us to get this. Let's start in this room. Let's get rid of that poverty where we have enough. Oh, this is enough, or I never have enough. Let's, let's ask forgiveness for that mentality that his resources are limited. I think I, I want to start with that. I want to repent. Repentance means you change your thinking. So first, let's take care of that. Let's change our thinking and let God know that we know he's, his resources aren't limited. Basically, when we tell him he's limited, we're calling him a liar because he said he's got no limits, you know? Let's repent of that. Don't beat yourself up. Let's tell God, I understand now. Help me with this, okay? Let's do that. <clears throat> Help me with the mindset. God, we know now that you are not limited. You've spoken to us. God, we change our thinking. We're not okay with just a little bit of you. We're happy for that, God, but we're not satisfied with that. We reject that poverty mindset, and we change our ways right now, God. We change our view of you. changed our thinking on who, on God and his resources. Now we need to change our value system. So, you know, I've said it. God is the prize. So our ultimate value. Uh, the church has always had this thing where we rank what should be most important to us. We prioritize things. You know, God, family, church, work, friends, whatever. But that was wrong to do all along because the true priority list consists of one thing, and that's God. And through God, it makes us be a better family man. It makes us be a better worker. It makes church go well and all that. So the number one priority is God. <clears throat> but he's the only priority. That's, he's not the number one priority. He's the only priority. So... Let's realign our thinking on 
priorities. I mean, think about this. You can't go wrong with pursuing God 100%. Like, where's the, where's the side effect? Me and Sarah talk about these medication commercials all the time. They just, I mean, they crack us up. <laughs> like, all these, they, one of the side effects can be death in a lot of cases. I'm like, dude, good night, man. I'll take the migraine. <laughs> a migraine medicine can kill me? I don't, I don't want that. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, I won't mention that one, Nicole. <laughs> Sorry. The bathroom jokes going on up here. <laughs> trying to talk about God. And, uh, yeah. Now, we hear all these commercials, and it's this thing that's supposed to cure your ailment or whatever, but then it brings 10 other things on you. Like, what sense does this make? The, the beauty of God is he, he cures our ailments, but there's no side effects. The only benefits and rewards. Like He, he cures your ailment, and he cures everything else at the same time. Like. You know, he's not Advil, just where it cures pain or a headache. I mean, he cures the whole thing. And uh, so let's keep that in mind. What is the drawback of going 100% for him? Is there anything negative you can think about, about going totally all out for him? Like, there's not one thing. So what's our deal? Let's, like, let's go for this. Let's put him as a priority and let's go for it. Okay. Let's be rich in him. Let your riches be measured on the fullness of your time with him. So let's go. Let's seek after him right now. I don't want these quiet prayers. Let's go after him. Put him in your priority. Just tell him. Let's go for it. Yeah. us to pray this prayer right here. Let every part of my life be engulfed by you. Like be completely filled with you. Where there's no area of my life where you're not present and you're not the focus. So let's pray that. Y'all just repeat after me. This I like doing this. God let every area of my life with no exceptions be completely Filled with you. Let you be the priority in every aspect of life. Now just pray that too in your own words.
guys, there's no drawback. God, I pray that we would have that glory-to-glory mindset, too, where we change our value and we prioritize you, but then we go from glory to glory and that we just build upon the things you've done with even greater things. Pray that we would not grow stagnant and stale. That the journey would keep going onward and upward. feel that like let's do it let's put hey let's do some practical things to keep it on our mind write it down put it on your phone as i mean do whatever you can to make you remember that he's your priority this is i mean i do silly stuff like that all the time i'll just write on the corner of my hand right here so it doesn't make any you know that may not work for y'all but sometimes it's good to do just like practical things like that to just keep your mind on him. You may feel weird about, oh, I need a reminder to think about God. But that's a good start. Just, you know, that, the reminder's not a bad thing. Like set a timer in your phone when, you know, every hour he just puts focus on you. Like they have an app for that where every 10 minutes it reminds you of God. And that... I don't think God's insulted by that. <laughs> like that I have to you know, that I have to be reminded to spend time with him, that should come natural. But that's the thing, it does come natural. It's I mean it's a process. That, that Paul talks about disciplining yourself. That's part of it. Think I just felt like I should say this. Like think of something that will make you remember God. If you have to hang something from your rearview mirror, if you have to tape something to your mirror at home, ladies, y'all spend a lot of time in front of the mirror. That will help, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My wife's so pretty, she doesn't have to look in front of the mirror. She just wakes up beautiful, man. <laughs> Fellas, that's how it's done. <laughs> okay, I've gone long enough. Have you got anything? <laughs>